1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast,
0: with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome
2: to the Go Big Redcast. I am your host, David Gaspers, and I
0: am with Honky. I'm wearing my skin-tight Adidas Prime Knit A1 Uni, and I'm ready to go, Dave. (laughs) And I'm also with Mac...
3: And much like Carlos Davis, I have not skipped a leg day. I am super sore.
2: And uh, not uh, last but uh, not least, Boomer.
1: I was reading the uh, Denver Post today, an article about Colorado with the rivalry of Nebraska. They're still not allowing them to wear red there in the uh, in the facilities, apparently, so they're still thinking it's a big deal. Which reminds me, we need to try to hunt down the Mr. Chip Buffalo Head Trophy. They still owe us from 1962. Perfect chance to bring that back, Colorado. You know <laughs> it's there somewhere. That's a good somewhere.
2: point boomer that's a really good point we need to work on that here in short order because that game is uh approximately a month away all right and the redcast will be there uh tailgating so uh we gotta gotta figure out the what is it again the chip chip the Mr. Buffalo head?
1: yes they used to exchange a buffalo head trophy at the uh halftime of the game they presented to the winning team of the prior year just to add to the confusion of it all and <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it was got, uh, different era. Of the '60s were. Yeah, Colorado had it, and then they couldn't find it in '62, and apparently, no one put too much effort into looking for it. But uh, it's a mystery that needs to be solved. It's it's somewhere. So uh, we'll
2: have to do some. Well, digging. That, that adds some spice to that uh, rivalry game. Uh, and uh, thank goodness uh, Scott Frost and the boys are fully into fall camp and get, getting ready for. Not only that game, but also Akron on September first. Uh, honky, uh, we're you know full into what four, five uh, practices now. A lot of stuff already happening. We were able to hear some of the uh, players and coaches yesterday. Uh, what's your first impressions of fall camp?
0: yeah they made it through uh, the first four days of practice and today it kind of reminds me there was a simpsons episode where where they're in mo's uh you know uh in his bar and they're watching nfl and it said like this is the dreaded bye week well this was the first day off of practice so they went through four days and took today off but we got to see two days of of uh non-contact practice that is the ncaa mandate get started and then uh the last two days they've been They've been doing contact. And so we've already started to hear about, you know, the, I love some of the initial things that come out the first day or two, you know, this guy's already, you know, killing it and this guy, you know, and it's so early that it's just, it's hard to to come to any conclusions. And it's really hard to to come to conclusions this year because we don't have any media there for the most part. They, they went to yesterday's practice, but no one else is seeing stuff. So, you know, it's just, it's a little different from years past, but, uh, Hey, no one's been injured that we know of, and and I think that's a good start right now for four days.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have uh, seen some photographs, to, to Max Point, and uh, Carlos Davis's thighs look like uh, you know small children, actually, right?
3: <laughs> he reminds me of my, my He-Man uh, action figures yeah. back in the early 80s. I couldn't believe it when I saw it, and, and I'm not the only one. I just want to be clear about that. I saw this on many message boards that people were commenting about it, so I don't <laughs> feel bad about that at all homeboy's been lifting <laughs> you know dave i think
0: one of the things that that uh, kind of stuck out to me in the first couple of days was they had mike rucker come back and talk to the team and i just think that is so that is so scott frost right there
3: plus he's within the 500 mile radius within
0: the 500 mile radius there's already talked that wistram and and peter will be brought back at some point to you know to to give some nuggets of wisdom to these guys and it. It all adds up. It all helps. They've done the strength and conditioning side. They put in that work. They've done the, they've done the, the you know all the conditioning pieces of it. Now you get some of the black shirt mentality. You get some of the the history and the tradition piece of it. It adds up because some of these players have been here for you know for three or four years, and I don't know that they know the history and the tradition the way that they should. And Frost sure. is going to make sure they know it.
2: Yeah, it also helps that someone like Rucker has spent oh you know what a decade in the league, right? Uh, he has. Um, um, so credibility there beyond just being a black shirt from the '90s. He he played in the NFL for a long time and he, was very successful in the league, so that helps.
0: He might have their attention, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, a, another uh, tidbit, or really almost a, a theme from the press conference with Eric Chenander uh, yesterday was how far the secondary has progressed. Uh, since Spring ball, which uh, seemed to be a, a question mark, what, what are your initial takes on that, Mac?
3: That was really good to hear. That was my first initial take because like if you were gonna pick something for Chenander to focus on and say this is improved, I think we would all agree that secondary was the one that needed to come along the most. And from the sounds of it, um, it's kind of that infusion of what we talked about. We've got we've got the, the transfers, we've got the grad transfers, and then we got some of the other guys, like Lamar Jackson. You know, I, I, I hate sure. to almost whisper this aloud, but it sounds like he's kind of maybe the lights come on on him, and he's and he's ready to contribute. Um, the freshman uh, Cam Taylor, my goodness, or Cam, yeah, Cam Taylor. That's Kim There's Kim so T- many yeah. cams on this on the roster. They do. Yeah, we got yeah, cam three cams, one more cam, and we've got an engine. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, he's you know a converted quarterback, so kind of a similarity with with Lamar. But you know, making plays in the ball, and then. I just that's that to me was super encouraging. You know, they, they've made some interceptions and then you can go, well, maybe the quarterbacks aren't looking that good. Who cares? Come on. You know, like if they're making plays in the ball, I haven't seen that for like umpteen years. So who you know, that was that was good to hear. Um, the fact that he said the retention was so good from the spring that the guys have obviously been taking a role in the offseason and bringing the young guys along. Super good to hear. And again, I think all these guys are feeling good in their new bodies. It's almost like this this new car that they get to ride out in and see what, see how it runs. Yeah, you know. So, um, yeah, all the news very positive. And I think it's interesting too because we we all talk amongst ourselves about keeping our expectations low. But I haven't heard a thing from the coaches. That is that is like trying to tamp us down at all. They're saying good things. Yeah, that's and a good so to that that me's got that to me's got uh, pretty excited. Well, I'm that
2: actually that. Uh, kind of brings me to the, my next question a little bit. And you're right; even even some of the local media seem to be even more excited than what you'd almost expect. Um, like from a from a prediction standpoint, Boomer, I'll, I'll bring you here on this one because you're the most cynical person on this uh, podcast. No. Um, no. It, it seems like to me this time of year, when everybody's just hungry for stories, uh, you know, coaching staffs. And I'm not saying that anybody's being dishonest here at all, but I think any coaching staff though, uh, it can kind of decide what type of narrative they want to pump out to the media outlets, right? And. Um, you know, and, and for various different reasons, you know. I don't know, you're, maybe you're trying to tamper expectations. Maybe you're actually trying to build up the confidence of your of your team because, you know, they're going to read those media clippings too. Uh, you know, Eric Chandler could have came out and said, you know, hey, you know, everybody's doing just fine. And, you know, the secondary, they got some work to get done, but, you know, they'll get their, you know, kind of a more of a Bo Pelini-type approach to everything's, you know, half full. But, no, he was extremely positive in saying, wow, these guys have made huge strides um do you think that was a conscious effort by the the coaching staff to kind of you know i mean it's a narrative they they just thrown out there suddenly the secondary shouldn't be a as big of a concern you know
1: yeah i'd say it's a conscious effort if there's one thing i think this coaching staff has shown is that you know they do take most everything fairly seriously and they do seem to have a plan with everything they're doing and the way they approach everything so i i would definitely say that coming out and saying that is you know definite plan that he's doing so and it seems like with good purpose, I think. The depth they added just in the secondaries, they had to have improved from what they were. It's a very low bar, to be honest with you, where we thought they were going to be to what they, what they are now. So I would imagine they have improved, and that probably is a good thing that they can say that with some honesty.
2: Yeah, I think there's – seems like there's clearly more competition in that mm-hmm. room. Honky, you want to jump in on this?
0: yeah i think it's interesting with the secondary it's been so beaten up and the narrative has been so beaten up on that group over the course of the offseason and i don't know where the confusion would be that it might be different or better right now when you look at this position group if you look at lamar jackson eric lee aaron williams antonio Reed, you you literally have four guys back from from the last year basically starters right so at least we can say we have some experience now did it play well or not hey that's 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 arguable right but now let's look at the next group of people that have come in that this infusion of june almost junior or older talent yep. that have been added to the group since last season deontay williams uh trey neal obviously will jackson and i'm going to throw in jj doman too who basically yeah, is a time. he's big basically time. a player we didn't have for the last two years these are four guys that are ju- basically junior level or older that are just added into the mix of the competition, right? So we have four starters that are returning, four guys that are experienced that are returning. Now you throw in the Cam Jones and the Cam Still Taylor's. Got too. And you have Boodle in there. I mean, you know, it, it shouldn't be confusing to, to people that we have some, some legitimate depth to, to compete. Now, you know, is it going to be all Americans playing back there? I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. But, but it should look a heck of a lot better right now to Shenander. It better look a lot better than it did just in the spring we've got a lot more bodies back there so um but again that's an example just that one position group that's an example of scott frost and the Compare it to the Mike Riley years of wait until we get our guys in there, wait until year four. They didn't wait until year one. You
2: know? I was hoping hockey would go into his Mike Riley uh, voice
3: there for a second. Well,
0: well, you know, <laughs> if you just give me another three or four years,
3: well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll turn we're the on corner. Right track. We got we got some pretty special things going on.
0: Year <laughs> one. But that, yeah. but
3: that to me too, um, they heard what their coaches were asking about, or what the coaches said at the end of spring they took it to heart and and the secondary has improved so that you know we all talked about this uh, what's gonna what's gonna move this team from the from the four wins to any any kind of expectation above that is going to be it's not necessarily talent because I think if recruiting rankings mean anything and 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 we hammer this back and forth but if recruiting rankings mean anything we have some talent it's going to be team buy-in and and if the secondary's buying in you know, if those guys are, are the ones going to – and they put it upon themselves, that's a really good sign going forward about how this team is focused on getting better. And Lamar Jackson, I, I am probably on this particular podcast the hardest on him. I, I, yes. I disliked his play greatly, greatly. <laughs> and and if he comes around, I'll be the first to eat crow on it. And it won't be crow either, by the way. He, he owes good play. But anyway, if that guy comes along – That'll be the number one sign that Scott Frost and, and, and Fisher are some of, the, some of the best coaches in America because that kid, he's got all the talent in the world. Let's see it on the field.
0: And I think that's, it's an important piece because we talk about 51 guys have been added to this team. More than a third of the players on this team are basically Scott Frost guys, if you want to think of it in that term, right? I'm a Scott Frost guy. <laughs> <laughs> But having said that, if we're going to be good in year one and even in year two, if we're going to be good in those years, it's going to take the effort of a lot of players that have played on four and eight teams. That's, that's the reality. So for all the, you know, for the people that wanted to discard a lot of the players that were on the, the last year's team or that the, the offense and defensive lines, the anonymous Athlon coach that talked about the a- offense and defensive lines of last year that were terrible and, you know, that they'll be terrible again this year. Okay, it, you, you think that way. Please do, because as far as I know, these guys are thirty pounds, you know, across the board bigger. They put in the work, and please tell them they're terrible, because I I want that on every chalkboard, every or whatever they have. I guess they probably don't have chalkboards anymore, but whatever they <laughs> whiteboard have, would be close whiteboard, enough. Whiteboard put it in, put iPad, it on iPad, something like that. You know. Tell them they're terrible, please, because they will they will read that, they will hear that,
3: and they are putting in the effort. So. And I think he'll make sure they see it, too. And,
0: yeah, so for the 51 new guys on the team, that's awesome. But there's going to be about 90 others that have been told and have been on teams that weren't very good. And those guys, they've been working their tails off, and those are going to be the guys. Many of them are the leaders of this team that are that are going to be, if we're going to turn it around, it's going to be because of them.
2: Sure. I mean, it, it's the McStoltenbergs and, and Tanner Farmers uh, that have been talking quite a bit lately. And, and we're learning a, a, quite a bit about, how they're going to manage both the offensive and defensive lines. It seems like rotation and depth is something that is going to be really important, um, especially if they're taking 90 snaps, I suppose, on, on both sides of the ball. But that's yep. <laughs> uh, something different from the previous coaching staff, especially on the offensive line where you know rotation was uh, a dirty word, essentially. Um, so we're going to see some <laughs> very different um, player development because more people are going to be
0: in the games, right? Yeah. They'll be practicing, you know, with stations where guys are getting reps. Hard to get developed when you're not when you're not doing that. And then we'll be playing a style of ball that offensively and defensively just warrant more players getting on the field when you're playing ninety snaps on defense. It's just It's an being, absolute
3: necessity. The depth yeah. the depth is, is, is more important almost than who are the starters. I mean and and I know I kind of said that a lot, but I mean the the way this, this team is gonna be moving forward is it's gonna take forty four guys, let's say. You know, and not not yeah. 22. I mean, it's going to take and and that and can't be a drop off. It can't be the big drop off that that you would might expect after your your starters. You know, we got to keep them fresh. We're going to keep them at a the tempo. Yeah. Um, the defensive guys are going to be going after the ball. So, yeah, I mean, everyone is getting reps. Everyone you're if you are good, if you are playing hard. There's no way you're going to get missed by the staff. Yep. I mean, I, I feel very confident in that.
0: And and we're guilty of this because we did it ourselves. We we did the post or we posted those preliminary depth charts on uh, on social media, just for the fun of it. It's but, preseason. What are you gonna I mean, it's just for the fun of it. But the reality is, I don't know how important those depth charts really are right now. Because you're going to get noticed if if you do the right things, you're going to get noticed. And I think that we're going to play enough downs, and there will be enough scenarios where. There is a difference between Breon Dixon playing outside linebacker and a guy the size of, you know, Alex Davis. And they may not play the same downs. They may be out there at different times, but there's enough different types and styles of players. I can go down 10 defense alignment here, and there's reasons to have different guys, in, you know, in different positions and different plays. So, you know... Mick Stoltenberg is gonna be our starting nose tackle. I'm just telling you that right now. But on third and seven when we need a pass rush, it might be Carlos Davis playing nose tackle. I, I don't know how they'll they'll work all those scenarios out, but they've got the bodies to do it. And and they've found enough body types already, the fifty one players they brought in. They have they have templates for what they want at each position and they're filling it. I mean this I I'm looking at the depth chart right now. They've got a lot of different style of players at each position. It's pretty impressive.
3: Well, frankly, I think that, would, that does a better job of engaging the entire team, too. If, if there's a potential, you know, we talked about that, that redshirt freshman rule and keeping those freshmen engaged for the whole year. Well, if, if you know that being second, maybe even third string, you know, on a depth chart doesn't mean you're not going to play. That keeps everybody engaged. That keeps everybody competing, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that's going to make this team better because, you know, maybe we don't have a top 10 recruiting class, but if we've got – if we've got guys that contribute and can stay at a high level and our energy's good and our strength is good, you know we're going to need all of those guys throughout the season, throughout games to keep making plays so it, it it's just another it, it's i'm I'm so fascinated to see how this will play out throughout the year. you know, I try to watch UCF games and see like and, and pay enough attention to see who's rotating in and out huh. and I got to be honest with you, they move so fast it's very hard to do but but it's but I do notice like. Their their linebackers rotate in quite a bit. Their their defensive line rotates in quite a bit. You know, and I that there's no reason to expect that to change anytime soon with Nebraska.
2: No, that's fair to say. That's fair to say. Uh, All right, guys. Before we move from uh, fall camp at all, Honky, is there any um, milestones maybe this week or anything we should be looking forward to in the fall camp schedule? Like a you know scrimmage or anything that's going to stand out here in the next uh, seven days.
0: That's a good question. I don't. I haven't seen any like schedule that says there's a specific scrimmage at a certain date or anything. I know that probably 10 days out from game one, so what would that be? A week Around and the 20th a half or so, or so from so, yeah. now? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, by that point, you're already wanting to be announcing starters pretty much. I mean, really, really they'll, they'll want to have that probably by 7 to 10 days before the, the first game. So whatever they're doing internally right now, and again, media is not at, so we're probably not going to hear it. But, um, you know, they're they're doing enough scrimmaging, I guess, probably right now from practice to practice and enough of these reps. I mean, they're they're building to that point where they're going to be able to start announcing starters.
2: Sure, sure. I understand. Yeah, maybe we can look into that really quick on our break. Um, I, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of times the limited access the media has, which is, I guess, it's relative to what they're used to under what mm-hmm. Riley gave them. But, I mean, I was reading somewhere where they mentioned, like, you know, Iowa. I mean, like, I think maybe the media gets to see, like, two practices and only gets, like, to interview Kirk uh, Ferenc, um, uh like, <laughs> three times <laughs> or so. No, Did I say for, that right? He's Ferencz.
0: He's Ferencz. Ferenc. I'm Ferenc. Forget it. I'm not, I'm not even trying to get his name Just right. trying
2: to help Iowa Sean out, man. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, it was really limited, was far less than what even what Frost is doing uh, so, I mean, I don't think it's uncommon that the media doesn't see a lot. So, which but, is
3: hilarious uh, because what are they hiding? What's yeah. Iowa done different in the last 20 years? Yeah, that's a
2: good point. I think Kirk just doesn't want to deal with them. He
0: doesn't care. He's not going to get cu- fired. I so was he
3: standing in the children's wing of that hospital just like, that's hilarious that practice is <laughs> <was> closed. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I'm curious about, um, you know, when the BTN guys get here, which we're sure. – you know, surprise, surprise, surprise! They're going to the east first. You know, we're always the second-class citizens. But um, they'll head head to the west like in a, about a week and a half. And and I'm just curious if if we'll be in a full padded practice or not. I remember under Riley, of course, we showed him a. I think we were you know we were doing one of our lipstick and short practices that we were doing back in <laughs> Riley and,
3: and probably one of Diaco's four three days. <laughs> it was
0: probably probably was and it was the day after. He had went to Iowa, so or the BTN guys went to Iowa, so they saw Iowa like beating the snot out of each other. One of the bloodbath practices, and then they came to Nebraska, and and it yeah. was like, yeah, this isn't quite the same thing. You know, I wonder and if we Frost still had four players
2: injured after that practice too. So <laughs> That's
0: that we, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I well, wonder I, mean, if I, Frost, I
2: I mean, I mean Gary Donardo and and Griffith et cetera. That they'll comment on like the size of the players too. I mean, I mean, I think they're mm-hmm. going to notice a huge difference, and that will be something that I'd be shocked if they didn't mention the difference from year to year that they um, see with the. Um, the roster. So that should be really interesting. Agreed. The recruiting pipeline. Uh, Speaking of rosters, we uh, added two new recruits uh, for the 2019 cycle. uh, Since the last show, Um, it seems like this run uh, for Frost and Company just will not stop. I think it was Saturday night. We added uh, Michael Lynn, an offensive tackle from out here in Denver. I think he's from Cherry Creek. Big guy, 6'7", 280. Um, seems like a, a kind of a pattern there also a pattern of a 500 um mile radius and then uh, a few days later landed a, a secondary player from the atlanta area Quentin Newsom, is that right guys correct yes. that that is correct uh I, yeah I th- so I just talk uh just the theme there 500 mile radius lineman it, deep south these- <laughs> you know secondary player <laughs> sorry it's
0: <laughs> a perfect microcosm i think of what Coach Frost is looking to build out of a class. And if you think back to like our very first show, and I I mentioned I said if we had 20 players in an average class, if 10 of them were from the 500 mile radius, if 10 of them were national, you know, and and if half of those 10 were Nebraska kids, I'm just throwing that number out, that would be five Nebraska kids. Look at this class, we have five kids that we want to definitely get from the state. And now this kid here, uh, Michael Lynn from Colorado, he is one of those 500-mile guys. He's six seven, two eighty. 280. He's a three-star kid. He's a developmental kind of kid, right? He's not coming in at 330 pounds, which is fine because Duvall would just take those 50 pounds off to build them back up the right way anyways. Yep. So he fits that one half of the mold of what we're recruiting. The other half, and what I like about Quentin Newsom... He's another Georgia kid, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we got, I think, the running back from Georgia. We're like, and Mac, you were like, never sleep on a Georgia kid. We won't, man. He's still we, one of my favorite recruits. We, we want those kids here. Obviously, having a guy like Eric Johnson down there doesn't hurt, you know, with his with his uh, uh, gym, and, and I think, you know, he's developing some of the players. But what I like about specifically about Newsom, more so than just the size, and again, he fits the template, 6'2", 180, cornerback. But, but we got him over offers from Bama, Georgia, and Auburn. And I think Husker nicks out there that got tired of players that would commit to Nebraska, and then they'd get that bigger offer, that better offer from someplace, and it was you felt used. You felt like Nebraska got used to 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 get to that next that better offer, right? That's not happening here. When you're getting a kid that already is choosing you over in-state Georgia, over Auburn, this kid's not. He's not using the Nebraska offer to get something better. He's picking us over offers from Bama, Georgia, and Auburn. That's a great sign right there.
3: And not just offers, but he's seen him, too. He's been to Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn. You know, his father talked about how different Nebraska was, you know, and I think I think this will become a reoccurring theme to these Southern kids when they come up to Lincoln and, and talking about how you – know, the expectation of what Lincoln, Nebraska is for these kids is pretty low. And so when they come here and they see what this town actually is and how this coaching staff treats everybody like a family, it um, makes a big impact on them. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a huge get for us, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, and it does follow that template. You know, I remember back in the spring when uh, Chenander was asked about recruiting. He's like, I covet long, lean athletes, and then I let Zach Deval and God take over. And, I mean, that's, <laughs> if you look at it, that's exactly what we're doing long lean athletes, I mean, they're unbelievable. I mean,
0: it... and and one last thing, and I know we'll move on, but I'll tell you this. I like the fact that these two are both three stars. I just do. And, and, and <laughs> if, if rivals and the other ones, if they want to move a kid, bump a kid to four or whatever, you're welcome to do it. But, but we are fast on track right now to a top, you know, to a 25th ranked class, 20 to 25th. And, and and kind of selfishly, and I like everything that we're getting with these guys, <laughs> and I hope we finish twenty fifth.
2: Well, I don't wanna, I don't actually, I wanted to bring yeah, that I up Monk, in it. just in the sense that uh, we may may finish twenty fifth, but last year, sure. you know, we finished twenty first with twenty one guys, and that was a class that they put together at the end. I really do feel like uh, with some now we have the the official visits available to us. Uh, Frost has mentioned over and over again that he thinks it's really valuable to get players here mm-hmm. for home games um, I do think even though we've got a great run on some three star guys that we probably think are actually four star guys because we've been in on them early um, sure. we are going to still get some four star guys at the end so if anybody's out there worried oh, we're all going to have just three star guys and sure. uh, I think it's likely that we'll probably have a similar number than last year and just by sheer numbers of the class I, I think we're going to at least repeat uh, last year's you know, twenty first class, give or take, and maybe uh, you know, with a couple of good, you know, guys at the end, uh, even break that top twenty. Mash, sure. you think and, about that? And look,
0: honk? Well look, we we go off of rivals too, for anyone that's that's asking. So we're using the rivals numbers. I'm sure you can use, you know, two four seven or scout or whatever that's out there. But but specifically, I guess like last year we had nine four stars I think were in that class. That that kind of rushed class that Frost that right. had a chance to get. You know, can we get back up to that number? Maybe, and if we can, awesome. We'll be twenty first. <laughs> you know, right. and and the point is, don't worry about it. There are there are recruitniks out there. Two months ago, they were like, "What's wrong? We've gone two months without a recruit." Settle down, eat some dip. You'll be fine. We're gonna keep getting recruits, okay? It's not gonna stop. You know, Frost hasn't forgotten about that that aspect of building the program. And I think we've seen that. We just recorded a show five nights ago and now we're talking about two more guys. So he has a plan, he, he has he has a template for players that he goes after, he has it's a mixture of in state guys, it's a mixture of five hundred mile guys, it's a mixture of southeast guys because that's kind of the new mm-hmm. Calabraska because that's how, how this staff is built. But yet they haven't you know, but they haven't forgotten about any spot. The quarterback that we they brought in came from California. Yep, you know that's what I mean? right. We're going to get guys from everywhere, and and uh, I love it. And, and and recruiting rankings be damned. I don't care if we finish. I don't care if we finish thirty fifth. I really don't. If we're bringing in the kind of guys that they're bringing in, we'll be fine. And the development that we're doing, will be will be just fine.
2: Sure. When we were looking, uh, when we got Newsome from from Georgia, I I started to look into that. I was like, man, like, yeah, how many uh, FBS recruits does Georgia produce and the number is phenomenal I've talked about this on this podcast how, how many Texas produces you know Texas and uh, California and Florida are always really high you know over 300 typically Georgia was like a it was like the 2016 class or 2017 class it was 220 recruits, which I don't know what the state population of Georgia is, but I think it was like per capita that is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, they've
3: got to be fourth, right? After yeah. the states you just mentioned, they've got to be yeah, fourth. Yeah, Texas, they are. So having a presence there, mm-hmm. and really, and really, when you look at it, we haven't even tapped into Florida yet, and you've you've got to figure they've had they've got to be in on some recruits down there based on just what they've been doing for the last couple of years. Yep. So, and I would I would go on record saying that I think probably right now, at least two of the guys, three stars we have right now will be four stars. Yeah. And then we'll see where it goes from there. But I, I would bet a few of our guys are actually going to get a bump.
0: Yeah. I yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much to look at the some of the guys that we got down there from the Southeast or McCaffrey or whatever. And and I joke about the, hey, I want to finish 30 yeah, three. Yeah, I hear you. Hulk. The point it's is, sorry. I... Everyone that's, that's been more li- of a honky be right. Well, thing. every everyone that's been listening to the show long enough knows my thoughts on rankings, and the reality is, is that they're a very fluid thing, and they can change in a I heartbeat. I hate <laughs> What is a star? What does a star mean? We
3: never even talked about Dismuke. You know, like as far as like the secondary, he's um, a Calabrasca guy. That's why I brought him up. But yeah. I'm sure. high on Dismuke. We like him. We like All him right. a lot.
2: All right, guys. Uh, You know, Honk, I think we have uh, quite a bit in the mailbag. Shall we go to that? Yeah, let's do it. Sweep left. You know, actually, before we dive into the mailbag, which we got some great questions out there, uh, Boomer, you did some quick research on that last point I was talking about with uh, the amount of uh, SBS uh, recruits coming out of Georgia. What's the numbers we have?
1: Uh, this is from uh, some twenty sixteen numbers I was able to find for uh, scholarship awarded athletes. Uh, Georgia uh, that year signed uh, or players out of the state of Georgia two hundred and ten of them were signed uh, to scholarships, and that does rank fourth, behind only Florida with three hundred and thirty six, Texas with three hundred and thirty, and California two hundred and twenty four. And they are the number five is Ohio with 121. So you're looking at a state with oh, about 10.5 million people as of the last census estimate, just about equaling the amount of uh, Division One you know, scholarship talent as California, which has about 39.5 you know, million players coming out of it. <laughs> so
2: it's about a fourth of the size of California yeah. population-wise, and yeah. produces essentially the same amount of recruits. And Ohio
1: it turns out, you know. We normally think of them as such a big hotbed and you know, they have about one and a half million more people, you know, give or take a few hundred thousand and they turn out but only half. 121. Yeah, half, almost half. Yeah. In states like Pennsylvania they only have fifty six athletes as they turned out. So I mean it's that's an
2: incredible you know, just Seems number It's like this coaching of staff yeah. is on to something with this whole Georgia thing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, honestly it's another interesting Since like Texas, Florida, California and Ohio all have tons of football programs in Georgia, just as Georgia, Georgia Tech, which probably is limited on who they can take from an academic qualification standpoint. And now they have Georgia State and Georgia Southern, Southern you know, uh, more yeah, recently, so but at a much lower level, right? Out, so, yeah. um, just I mean, Georgia, the, the dogs can only take, you know, 15 or 20 of those guys max. So um, that's that's a smart move to go after... A state that just has that much talent in it.
1: And I do have a uh, random trivia question that came out of this uh, investigation as well. Fire away. All right. There are five states in the United States that had zero players signed to a uh, Division One scholarship in 2016. Can you name them?
2: Ooh. Let's uh, open that up to Honky and Mac. That's, that's uh, interesting. Five states
0: with zero players? Correct, yes. In At the FBS level.
1: Vouch. Yeah. That, yeah, got a, that got a scholarship on the FBS level
0: in 2016. Delaware. So Alaska, Delaware. Oh, I guess South Dakota. Rhode probably. Island. Rhode Island, Maine, New Hampshire. <laughs> we got
2: like seven almost.
1: Yeah, those are good guesses. Actually, the correct five are Alaska, Maine, Montana, New Hampshire, and Vermont. So not a lot of football up in the uh, upper New mm. England, apparently. So yeah, New kind New of a Hampshire? lost art. Lake
3: Winnipesaukee.
1: Oh yeah, New Hampshire. Did <laughs> I sail? Yeah. That I'm
3: on a sailboat? <laughs> uh, For you, what about Bob fans? Sorry. Well,
0: actually, hey, quick, uh, boomer, say those five again. How many of those states have a Division I I One, FBS think, program in state?
1: I don't think any of them do. Alaska, Maine, Maine, Maine Montana, no. New Hampshire, and Vermont. So,
0: okay, none of them do. Okay, it. So, no, no. Yeah, yeah.
1: All, That's
2: the all the usual suspects. <laughs> uh, all right, Honk, let's uh, let's walk through. We've got uh, some social media as well. Um, you want to start with that one? You had a question out there?
0: Yeah, the first one was just a question I asked, and I can't even begin to get into all the responses, but thank you to all the Redcasters out there that did. Um, we just asked, just curious to the Redcasters, You know, what was the first Husker game you went to? And while you're at it, have you been to a road game? What's your favorite road game to go to? We've had like 65 some responses from people. It's been absolutely awesome to interact with you guys. So that's exactly how we want to use social media. Thank you, number one. But uh, I guess I'm going to turn the tables to you guys here, uh, Boomer, Dave, and and Mac. Is uh, What was your first game you guys went to? And what's? I know we've all been to road games, so what's your favorite road trip that you've been to? I'll start by saying, well, I'll start with me. I went to 1985, New Mexico. That was my first home game. And then um, first, well, not even first road game, but my favorite road game, I hope I don't steal your thunder here, Boomer, but 2006, uh, Boomer and I went down to a and And if you haven't had a chance to go to College Station, unbelievable place. You, the yell practice the night before, just a, an awesome football setting. Uh, the band is worth the admission by itself at halftime definitely that was i think of all the places that i've been and i've been to a lot of these away games that's that might be the most impressive boomer how about how about we go with you
1: yeah that would be definitely my top top few a uh, and m another one i'll throw on there i do really enjoy going to madison wisconsin you know i think that's mm-hmm. a fun place to go to a game i mean they do have a great atmosphere there from what everyone says it's well worth seeing if you've never had a chance to go there my experience of there haven't been as negative as some Nebraska fans I know have had. You know, a lot of people would compare them to you know the Missouris or the you know the Colorados of old. Some of the you know situations they've had with fans, but I never ran across that. You know, most of my experience, they're basically, oh, I don't know, maybe Iowa State fans, but a lot more drunk. You know, something along those lines <laughs> might be how I'd put it. But
0: well, Boomer, yeah. Boomer, we were there for that, and Dave, you were there too. Yep. We went to that that first game we ever played in the Big Ten, and we're on State Street, and State Street's a blast. But we're on State Street the night before, on the Friday night before, and we're standing in front of like some, you know, old built, you know, some store that sells t shirts and all that. And they have a shirt out front and it has a Husker, you know, it has the state of Nebraska on it. it, says worst state ever. And we're right next to a couple of Husker fans that look at that and, you know, it's this older couple and they're like, oh my God, this is just so rude and terrible and i i guess this is how the big 10 is going to be and they walk on and then if you look at the next window they had the state of iowa that said worst state ever and the state of michigan that said worst state ever it's like we're just part of the gig here, That's yep. a theme here. yeah you know we're just the next one up so i mean in, embrace it it's fun i was kind i agree boomer wisconsin was awesome
2: boomer what was your first
1: game first game in person uh yes. that would have been 1991 nebraska oklahoma it was, uh, I believe, it was the day, after, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, and it was an ice storm that night before in the morning, and it was pouring rain during the game. I Johnny pro- Mitchell, yeah, Johnny I don't Mitchell think like ever seven been more bitterly for- cold than I had been in that game. <laughs> that was just the weather was miserable, and the game started off really poorly. Oklahoma jumped out to a fourteen to nothing lead, but and then they just never could do anything else the rest of the game, and Nebraska didn't end up winning nineteen to fourteen. But yeah, man, that was a that was chilly, so people did rush the field and you know, try to tear down the goalposts and all that. I don't recall if they were able to tear them down with the uh, sheet of ice that was covering everything, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely entertaining.
2: Nice. Uh, all right, Mac, what, what was your first game and favorite road experience?
3: Uh, first game was actually 94, the uh, the Mighty Pacific Tigers. Oh, wow, uh, came yeah. To, came team to Lincoln and uh, actually went with Honky here. Um, my dad let me borrow his uh, red cowboy hat. Hence, the Red Cowboy was born. He he was <laughs> later revisited in the uh, the last like Big Twelve championship game in Texas. Yep, but, that's right. Um, but the but my road experience was the uh, I think it was Missouri. What was that year we went down? Nineteen
0: ninety nine. It was the first
3: year back after the uh, flea kicker. Right. So the so like Matt Davidson got to catch that game. And the dude behind us is like, well, that's the first legal catch he's ever had on this field. And we're like, oh, please. But the (laughs) night before, we went down to St. Louis and had a blast. Not podcast-like worthy talk. Actually, (laughs) very worthy talk, but just not appropriate. So much fun that weekend. Um, I could tell some stories about my podcast to the left here that would be. Yeah, well, he probably tell us. <laughs> Come down to the Colorado tailgate. The family and we friendly. Can talk about those 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 times. That's, man, that's that's, that's right. was a blast. I would have said Oklahoma, but we got smoked that game. Uh, that's 2008 the 2000,
0: RV yeah. the RV trip down in 08. Yeah. Dave, how about you, buddy? When was your first home game and what's your uh, favorite away one? So,
2: I I've had I a, a a memory conflict here. It's either the 1984 or 86 Oklahoma game. Um, I distinctly remember Keith Jackson catching uh, footballs, so he did that in both games. But the '86 game is the distinctive fourth-quarter catch that uh, broke the game open, and that was also Jamel Holloway. I'm pretty sure it was '86, but I also remember Nebraska missing several field goals in that game. I was sitting in the north end zone with my dad, and um, I that doesn't ring true with the 86 game. So I'm pretty sure it was 86, but it could have been 84. Um, it, it was a great experience. Um, and then road venues, I, I, you know, from a game experience, I'm going to have to take the 1995 Nebraska-Colorado game because it's <laughs> the only away game that we actually have won, and it was an awesome <laughs> oh game gosh. to be at. Have we gone uh,
3: into it on your on your road game record, Dave, on the podcast? Yes, we have. It, it, it's not bad, it's, yeah, it's atrocious. We need to look into this it's more, I think. Yeah. As
2: bad as you can possibly get, except for that one game.
3: It's going it to uh, change. You're the break, right. That jinx. It's yeah, that's, frost. That's
2: it's, it's not my fault. It was the coach's faults. That's the problem. Um, so,
0: Dave, we – we also have some stories, and again, they probably unfortunately deal with me, but we have some stories from that Colorado game that we could tell, not on the show, but uh, come, out to the pod, come out to the tailgate this year, uh, the Redcast uh, tailgate for the Colorado game, and I, I can tell you some stories from the 90s. Yeah,
2: that's a great, great opportunity to mention that the Redcast will be fully in town for the uh, Colorado-Nebraska game on, I think it's September 8th, right? And so mm-hmm. well, more details to come on uh, the tailgate, but... Um, everyone who listens is welcome to stop by and, and chat with us. Uh, all right. Outside of that,
0: uh, outside of that, Dave, uh, talking about the, the home games. Now let's transition over to the away games. And that was our, our Twitter poll question for this week. It, It ends on Friday. So we, by the time this goes live, which should be Wednesday, I would think sometime there'll still be a day or two to, to vote. We have over 800 votes right now. So I'm pretty pleased with that. And it was simply that we're going to beat Northwestern on the road. It's just going to happen. Uh, It happens every other year. There's no reason we shouldn't do it this year. So that gives us four other away games, the big four, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. And if you could pick one of those four games that you think Nebraska has the best shot of winning, which one do you think it is? And with over 800 votes right now, uh, 61% think that we're going to beat Iowa. 23% think we're going to beat Michigan. Uh, 12% think we'll beat Wisconsin, and 4% think we're going to beat Ohio State. And I want to throw this out to you guys. Dave, I'll start with you, but you know, what are your thoughts on those numbers and what are your thoughts just in general? What, who do you think we have the best shot at, at beating there?
2: Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's surprising. Uh, n- and no uh, knock on Iowa per se, but um, all four of those uh, should be bowl-eligible teams this year, and a couple of them are – uh, at the uh, conference or national title level of discussion, uh, Iowa is probably the one that is least likely to be at that uh, high level. And on top of it, uh, it's game 12, right? I mean, if Scott Frost and company uh, is going to turn the corner, it's going to be likely a little bit later in the year where they're going to be playing the best football um, as everybody gets used to the system and, and uh, players emerge that we don't know Right now, so it makes sense that Iowa um, lands first, and I'm not surprised also that Michigan actually finished second at that 23, percent um, just because of the nostalgia of of you know going to Michigan like Devaney and, and winning that game, and probably having a few more holes in that team than than Wisconsin or Iowa. State, so even though Michigan's defense is supposed to be really good this year, so I, yep. I don't know.
0: Boomer, Boomer, what do you think there?
1: Uh, just knowing what we know at this point in time, it's it's hard not to pick Iowa. I mean, they're Iowa. We hate them, so let's let's go with that. Why not? It, it you know, <laughs> Wisconsin is going to be a tough one to crack. I know they're we played them close the last few years, but they you know that's going to be difficult. They're you know, Wisconsin. they were turning a lot. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. Michigan's going to be hard. That's that first big road test that this team has. You know, sets the tone early for the season. You know Ohio State well. Depending who's coaching there, you know that could be you know more challenging than we think or less challenging. I don't know. So the Spartan plays on Iowa if you're going to pick any of them.
0: Yeah, and and Boomer, I think you're. It's interesting with the Michigan game how you said that really sets the tone early because just for a moment, imagine a victory over Michigan. Imagine being four and zero. Yeah. Imagine you're overlooking Akron there. I think it's Purdue the next week and then being 5-0 and and playing out on the road at Wisconsin. Winning that Michigan game really sets a tone potentially for the season. Uh, Matt, sure. what do you think when you, when you think of those four games?
3: Now, I've said the exact same thing. That, that Michigan game to me is it's not so necessarily the most important game of the year, but you talk about changing the expectations. If we won that game, everybody's expectations locally, nationally, on the team, the coaching staff, whatever, it changes exponentially. You know that number at tw- You know for Wisconsin, twelve percent. We beat Michigan. That number goes probably like to sixty percent. You know yeah, what I'm saying? No, I agree. That win at Michigan could do. It would, It it'll it'll send the Scott raw Scott Frost love through the roof. That that <laughs> alone,
0: September twenty second. I'm flying out to Denver. I'm watching games with you, Dave, out there. Yep, I'm looking and forward to it. That weekend, you've got Wisconsin playing at Iowa and Nebraska playing at Michigan. Two huge games, and very specifically. Um, Nebraska, Nebraska at Michigan is a big one because it's that cross-division one, right? right. We're, we're not supposed to beat a big-time uh, East program. The East is better than the West. All the narratives you want to throw out there, it's, it's huge. I'm going to throw out, for, for my idea here at least, I think Iowa doesn't get the credit, and I can't believe I'm, I'm saying this, right? I can't believe it's coming from me. And, but um, Kinnick Stadium, what, what Kinnick Stadium has been the last couple of years I I specifically asked this question knowing that 60 to 70% of people were going to say Iowa. Kinnick Stadium, folks, is incredibly difficult in big games. Yeah, North Dakota State can go in there and get a win, or Iowa State can, but I'll tell you what, Michigan walked away with a loss. Ohio State, the Ohio State, walked away with a huge loss last year. And Penn State walked away with a a victory on the last play of the game a year ago. Just, I mean, we're talking inches, right? That's been a a very difficult place, and I think – it's really easy for people to look at these four teams and immediately jump to Iowa. And I can probably tell you, I think that I could see two wins on this that are, in my mind, easier. I don't know, easier is the wrong word, but I can see two teams here that I can see us beating before we beat Iowa on the road.
2: More probable, is what you're
1: saying. More probable. Well, I just threw it by my mouth a little bit. I know, I know. And and which two teams are those, Matt? Please tell us.
0: They'll have the uh, coach that you're expecting coaching this team this year. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just say that. I mean, I don't. But no, I mean, look, I mean, Michigan, Michigan's beatable, and I, that's first and foremost. Their defense is, I think, is going to be a really great defense, and we'll see what happens with Shea Patterson at, at quarterback. Right. But th- but but let's not for a second not think that there's not some transition that's going to happen with their offense. It's not like Harbaugh has been developing this offense around Shea Patterson for four years. It hasn't happened. So just like we're transitioning on defense right now, the most important thing when we play Michigan is we can't have what we've heard has come out of our camp the last couple days, which is we've had a couple turnovers against our defense. Offensively, that's the biggest challenge. Do not turn the ball over against Michigan. Don't. That I don't see Michigan putting up 30, 35 points on us. I just don't. it could be a it could be a lower scoring game and if that's the case that gives us a good shot now you beat michigan you can't tell me that we couldn't go into wisconsin and have some momentum and feel pretty good about things so anyways uh that's where i feel with that um let's go into the mailbag dave yeah let's do it man we got a couple of good ones right we did get a couple good questions there scott dace he's been a loyal listener and follower Uh, He asked, which home games are you most excited about this year? We talked a lot about the away games. Home game-wise, what are you guys looking for?
2: Well, for me, it's easy. It's Colorado because, A, I live in Colorado. B, I'm going to be there. (laughs) Boomer.
1: Mine's probably a little different. I'm kind of interested in the Purdue game of all games. Uh, You know, that's another program that people are hinting at, you know, trying to take those steps forward, and they have been for the last season or so. And then it kinda falls in there. It's between that Michigan game and then the Wisconsin game, you know, both road games. I kinda wanna see how this team reacts to a to a game at home against a team that, you know, most Husker fans would think we traditionally should annihilate, but, you know, we've kinda had some challenges with and kinda falls between two big name teams. How are we gonna how is, you know, this team gonna be ready for that? Are they gonna be prepared? It'll be a good measuring stick, I think.
3: Mac? I'm actually really looking forward to the Minnesota game. I would love to stomp on PJ Flex momentum. I just I'm so irritated by that loss last year. Um, to to come into Nebraska and, and beat the hell out of them would be fantastic. And
0: he's uh, and I, I you know I almost want to just pick a different game than you three and say Michigan State. But I actually agree with Mac. Absolutely Minnesota in my mind. I want this is one of those games. Throw out stats. Throw out recruiting throw out schemes this is one of those games we should just beat the living tar out of minnesota we we gave a worthless performance a year ago against them and this should be a game and and by the way fleck has used that all offseason about how great they did against us awesome super i hope they row the boat right 500 the miles cliff. home right up. <laughs> it, it is that is a game that that this team should absolutely be <laughs> you don't need Jason Peter coming into the locker room to talk. Sure. About that game. Should, that be should be a game yeah. we should just – The $5 on.
1: bits so, of broken chair should be enough. Let's just bring that home. That's, and, uh, hey
0: That would be cool. Let's bring it home. It's a good okay. Point. Uh, Peyton Blakely, uh, new uh, new follower that's uh, that's asked this question. He asked which freshman, red shirt included, so red shirt freshman or true freshman, do you think is going to have the biggest impact? Uh, I'm going to start with Boomer.
1: Uh, mine's kind of a little different spent take on this than probably what he's looking for, but I think we've already seen the uh, freshman that's going to make the biggest impact, and that's uh, Maurice Washington. And why I'm saying that, I think it, what it shows is the the fact they could get him eligible um, academically this year, that what this staff is capable of doing, that they're able to put together plans, they're able to have players commit to it, Accept it, want to do it. I mean, that shows quite a bit. I, I really like what we've already seen out of that, just as far as the team goes, and what, what freshmen are capable of doing for them and one to do for them.
3: Awesome, Mac. What do you think? Uh, quarterback, withstanding, because as Dave pointed out to me last week, that we only have his <laughs> options there. So, <laughs> bravo. But anyway, um, the next position, I would, I, I'm going to go cornerback, and I'm going to say uh, Cam Taylor. Yeah, I think, I think. It, early surprise out of camp, at a position of very, very strong need. Um, he's very athletic. He seems to be making plays on the balls, from what I understand. On um, the ball, from what I understand. But um, that's a guy that I think can make a difference early.
0: Okay. Um, I'll go next, and then, Dave, I'll, I'll, I'll let yeah, you do sure. the last one here. Um, I think Javon McQuiddy, I mean, coming off the redshirt year, and he's not getting a lot of talk right now. There's other receivers that are getting plenty of discussion but you know he, he caught a touchdown pass in the spring game. He physically looks really good. He brings a body type to the to the field that's a little different. It's more Stanley Morgan-ish than than maybe some of the speedster guys, the Lindsays and the and the Mike Williams and so on. So I really like McQuitty there. I think he'll he'll be a, a pretty big player. Dave, is this
2: uh, is it only freshmen or is it all newcomers?
0: It's freshmen or redshirt freshmen. Only oh, those two. So no jucos gotcha. or anything.
2: Gotcha. I'll do uh, uh, Caleb Tanner. Then I think Good he's going to make an impact uh, on the defensive line, especially situational wise, pass rushing, etc. Um, I just think that he's going to make a big impact.
0: Yeah. It's a, that's a great pick, and I'll tell you what, it's a Georgia kid, Georgia yep. kid, right there. I mean, that's that's one more of them. So, um, and then the last question that we have, Don Arp, he asked, uh, "You think this is uh, you think it's weird that Matt Davison is keeping his radio gig?" <laughs> boomer how how about you man it's
1: a little strange i guess yeah and you've just got somebody on the university's you know athletic department staff you know i think other the universities
2: radio. do this though so maybe
1: I, you know I, I don't know i'd be curious to know you know he says he's going to try to be as honest as possible but you know yeah that just seems just seems strange to me you know yeah all right mac <laughs> what do you
2: think on that
3: I am with Boomer on this one. I, I feel like it's a little bit conflict of interest, but but then again, man, I really appreciated Davidson last year, specifically after the the Penn State game. I was driving home from that game, and his disgust was so palpable in his voice. Um, I'd hate to lose that, but, yeah, you, you, you're curious as to, it, like, how detached can he be calling a game when his best buddy and a guy that he's actively recruited and got here to coach, uh, is he going to be critical? But I mean, sure. hopefully we didn't have to have the same situation. I mean, there were so many things to be critical last year about, you know. Maybe he'll provide some super inside information. Who knows? I
0: I, I grew up listening to, to Pavelka, and he was— <laughs>
2: I'm just going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how can you not be a bigger homer than Ken Pavelka? I mean, he's just <laughs>
0: big—and I loved Pavelka. I mean, I, I love—just tell me everything I want to hear. I've tried to say that about the podcast from day one. We're not here to cause— ripples
3: we're not it's a husker fan we're we're a
0: husker fan podcast we're not the media we're not here to like break news and and if we're not here to screw up the program we want nothing but positive stuff so just tell me good news and 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 honestly davison's going to have some inside stuff and and not that he's going to give away you know the the secrets but i i do trust what he says and and to your point there mac as, as the season got bad last year it was important to have a voice like that. And I think he's, he's kind of earned his stripes a little bit, but I get your point too, Boomer. I do. It, it It is a little, it's unique. I'll just say the setup is. So
2: yeah, we'll find out. I mean, he is actually reducing his role overall. So I mean, most of it will be the actual game itself. And uh, I mean, a lot of that is X's and O's and, and player yeah. personnel, et cetera. So um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
0: I'm going to miss him in basketball, honestly. Yeah. He was so good he, with – he with He's Pavel- not doing basketball? He's not doing basketball, and he was doing it with Pavelka. And those two, oh, my God, they were so good kind of just working with each other, bouncing things off each other. It was – that part I will miss. But anyways, Dave, that was the mailbag.
2: Excellent. All right. Um, well, uh, as we've done in past uh, Redcast seasons, uh, let's uh, – Dive into our first conference breakdown of the year, right, honk? We are going to be doing the ACC and uh, Big Twelve tonight, guys. So hopefully you've done your homework.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh,
2: All right. So with the let's start with the ACC pansy ball and uh, start first of all, if anybody can actually name teams in each respective division of the ACC, you get bonus points. So let right, anybody see, can that's actually the know... uh, Metropolitan and the Legends division, right, <laughs> Is
1: that how those work? I, yeah.
2: That's right, yeah. Uh, I, don't know, I think it's Atlantic and Coastal? Co- coastal, correct, like that, yes. Right?
1: Which makes Atlantic almost... and Coastal. Those no things being sense. such different terms. I mean, yeah, I guess one is actually in the ocean and the other is just bordering it, so that's that's good. You know,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, if they had a third division, it had to be called the conference conference, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, well, anyway, um, Honky, why don't we start with you a little bit? Uh, I know you've been doing your research, looking through all the different teams. Uh, there's a couple of obvious teams that stand out there, um, namely Clemson, um, who is now a perennial playoff contender. Uh, I think a lot of people are high on Miami this year. Um, What's your initial uh, uh, take on the ACC?
0: Well, before I even get started, I want to talk a a little bit or give a little bit of a shout out to a a Twitter handle, at fans of college football, CFB talk. Uh, I I printed off some uh, kind of a cheat sheet from from that uh, Twitter handle. And they've done a great job of breaking down each of the teams and kind of bullet points. And so I'm going to be using that a little bit for myself. Um, Clemson to your point Dave is a great starting spot and defensive line wise I mean they basically have you ever seen this have any of you guys seen this before they have four defensive linemen that are on the preseason all-conference team that alone that's (laughs) you know that's where we want to get you know with the Blackshirts Mm -hmm. without a doubt but uh but I mean they you know this is going to be kind of a little bit of a of a repeated kind of a scenario here but You've got a QB battle going on there. They have Bryant and Lawrence, so you, you have a QB, you know, situation going on. Uh, they have three offensive line returners starting, two linebackers, four DBs with starting experience returns. So there's plenty of experience, I think, at least in that division. And good lord, is that the Coastal or the Atlantic? I, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. But Clemson's in the division with Florida State with with Louisville. That is Louisville. the Atlantic,
1: honky. Just so you know. Yeah. Is that the Atlantic? Yes. yes.
0: So, but without a doubt, I think Clemson is the
3: the favorite in that division, Dave.
2: All right, Mac, uh, what are you thinking about?
3: I just the Clemson thing. I mean, has the way they have changed the narrative. I remember just a few years back, there was like pulling at Clemson was to get close and then to fall on your face, and then. But the way that Dabo has turned that around, and the recruiting they've done, the quarterback position, they just keep churning them out. It's it's remarkable. I. I I'm excited to see it. You know, with Florida State coming back, how how is Francois gonna? Is he gonna come back to the position he was last year? is you know, how are they gonna do with Taggart? Uh, you know, <clears throat> they've got all the talent in the world. We'll see what they can do to challenge him But it's it's an interesting conference for sure.
2: You know, I think that's a really interesting uh, point, Mac, on, on Clemson. You know, I mean, Clemson is probably the most SEC-type mentality school in the ACC in that sense, right? Maybe even beyond Florida State. Um and from a recruiting perspective, Dabo has had a lot of success here recently, and he's he's created I read an article a couple of days ago and his ability to to um have coaching uh r- retainment, right. He's only lost like three assistant coaches over a certain amount of time, which is just unheard of in this day and age. And it's because of the family atmosphere he's created at Clemson that's very appealing to recruits. He gets lots of high uh, caliber, uh, Five star guys, including you know, a quarterback, seems like every year lands in Clemson. I mean, sure they have a palace now there to to recruit to, but I think it's the actual atmosphere that is so attractive, and the the coaching staff that has really been around for a long time now, and I, I think that's a model that I think Scott Frost, I think, is really actually borrowing. Right? I mean, talk, he talks about how it, how important it is to have time away from football, et cetera. So.
3: Yeah, it's almost what we're counting on, isn't it? I mean, it's like yeah. the, the coaching retention, the, the the camaraderie, the chemistry. I mean, like that's 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 what we're hoping translates to a quicker turnaround for us. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And you know, it's interesting too because it's it's the quarter, quarterback position, but it's also like the defensive line position that he's recruiting at such a high level. It's not just it's not just the flash and dash players. It's 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 the hog mollies and and the big guys up front. So. You know, Dabo's got it going on, man. I, I mean, who would have thought that Clemson would ever be able to challenge Florida State or Miami for recruiting, you know, back just not that long ago. So it's, it, it's great. I mean, the ACC's – it's a in, it's, it's, it's very interesting conference to me.
0: Honk? Well, I, I think part of it, too, is you have to look at who are going to be the big players in that division to compete against them. And, and you have Louisville and Florida State. Well, Louisville right away starts off at, against Alabama – and if it's anything like Florida State year ago, starting off against Alabama, that basically means half your team's injured by week two, and so you know. But but in both of those cases, I mean, Louisville's replacing Jackson, obviously a quarterback, and um, and I think that that Clemson, obviously, it's a clear front runner in that that division. It's moving to the other side where you've got Miami, obviously coming back off of off of winning the the, well, no, yeah, they won the Atlantic, right. Good lord, I'm still terrible. No, they won the, well, coastal. the coastal. They won the coastal, coastal. Thank you very much.
3: Come on, honky. This, this is like Four leaders and legends. It's, like, it's like so it left is. twix and right twix. Exactly. I mean, like, what's
0: this? <laughs> this is leaders and legends all over again. Do you remember which one Nebraska was in? But, but um... But I think a team in that Atlantic side, the, the, the side opposite of, <laughs> of Clemson. Am I saying that right, Boomer? Yeah, let's go is with that Europe? Okay. I'm, I'm totally confused. The Clemson opposite side. of the Atlantic Obviously, you have Miami there. But, but Georgia Tech <laughs> is the one that I think intrigues me. And, and they intrigued me a year ago, and it blew up in my face. But, but I mean, they have, the, you know, have Taquan Marshall returning at quarterback. They have the top six running backs returning. And if there's a school that that matters at Georgia Tech would seem to be it. They have three offensive linemen returning. That's a that's a school. I, I just I I don't know. I'm, I'm I guess I'm going to hedge my bets for a second straight year on Georgia Tech. I really think that they have a great shot. Uh, you know, at the uh, at the Atlantic side of it, Boomer.
1: Uh, the ACC, just looking at it as a conference, it's Clemson and then which teams we'd want to call the second best in it. I mean, they're head and shoulders above everybody else. So that's not a question. And then it just comes down to, is Florida State going to improve enough to threaten Clemson? I don't think that's going to happen this year, uh, you know, new coach and coming off kind of a down year. They should be better, but I don't think they're going to improve. And then, like Honky said, it all comes down to who wants to win that Prince of Wales division or the Coastal or whatever we want to call it over there. And that's going to come down to Florida State or, or excuse me, not Florida State, Miami or Virginia Tech. You know, I don't think Georgia Tech is going to threaten for that. Um, you know, they, they can just be kind of fluky, so I don't know. You know, we'll know fairly soon, I think. I mean, Florida State and Virginia Tech open against each other, I think, on Monday night on September 3rd. So that'll be a pretty, you know, quick game there, kind of see what the tone's going to set for both those teams. And Virginia Tech kind of has a pretty cushy schedule, actually. Their their non-conference schedule is, you know, almost Iowa-like. I mean, it's terrible, you know, in many cases they have uh, – William and Mary, East Carolina, and Old Dominion, so they're really stretching themselves, you know. As well, far and as, who who else?
0: <laughs> is there? Ten- did they play Tennessee as well? Or? No,
1: uh, no. A lot of the, I mean, everybody else in the ACC at least is, you know, trying a little bit. I mean, Clemson has A and M South Carolina, like they always do. Well,
0: uh, Boomer, they have to have an eighth, or they only. The ACC yeah, th- plays it's Notre Dame,
1: so. so they have that penciled in there. So, you know, but
0: Notre Dame would be considered a conference game. So who do they well, have a No? It's not considered a conference game.
1: No, it, it, Notre Dame is kind of one of those are they conference conferencey or non-conferencey kind of
3: uh, things. So it's they're, they're not rec-
1: technically ACC, but they yeah, don't they so don't they, play a full conference ACC slate. So they kind so of so get they do the
3: 18 format as well. Yeah, yes, okay, the ACC is the 18 format. Right. Yeah,
1: so they've got they've got kind of a cushy schedule and then the big yeah you know, the deciding factor is going to be their game against Miami November 17th whoever wins that wins the you know leaders division or whatever you want to call it and you know they'll be playing Clemson you know for the for the ACC title I, I just yeah I don't think any other one else is going to have the the firepower to compete with with any of those four I mean, you might see you know NC State sneak up on somebody but yeah it's going to be pretty I, much yeah I it. guess
2: I'll give you a an, a an option question, each one of you guys. Either pick your, your sleeper team that could sneak up and actually win a, a division here or the uh, team most likely to upset Clemson because Clemson usually loses one team, one game randomly, right? Uh, so, oh. <laughs> uh, Honky, you have anybody in mind there that stands out to you?
0: Well, I didn't even look at the schedule to see if they play each other since they're in separate divisions, but Georgia Tech. I yes. really like. It. Yeah, they, and they, they play, play at Clinton, Georgia Atlanta. Tech. Yes, it is at I am pick, I'm picking yeah. Georgia Tech, and I'm definitely not picking North Carolina because I think half their team just got suspended. So, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I'm gonna say I'll say Georgia Tech. I, I just I believe in the option. All
3: right. I would, I would probably go. Is is Miami a possibility? I mean, I, I think I think Rick's doing good work down there. I really do. And Not I, in the and regular I, season.
2: Miami, It'd have to be the championship a, game. Championship yeah. game. So,
3: that would be a big upset,
2: though. I mean, but I feel It's like, possible. I feel
3: like this return of the 90s is coming on. So I'm going to go with Miami. I guess that would include Florida State, too, but I'm going with Miami.
2: All right. Boomer? Uh, if we're
1: talking a conference upsets. um... If you're just gonna you know throw a name out there, I just would probably have to go with Florida State. The game's in Tallahassee, you know. It's certainly possible. I mean, Florida State has yep, talents. they good could point. they could certainly do it. You totally. know, anyone else? You know, Georgia Tech maybe if they catch them, you know, in the right mood, that kind of thing. But you know, they've got Clemson's got time to prepare for that. The week before is Georgia Southern, so you know they have some time to work on that. I I don't know. That's just such a tough
2: thing. Tough not to yep. crack Clemson, Clemson this year, so. Yeah, but it'll be All anybody.
1: Right.
2: But Florida State. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on to the Big Twelve. I think we beat the ACC divisions up pretty well there. Um, so Big Twelve, pansy ball. You know, this has been Oklahoma's league for uh, several years at this point. Um, but you know, maybe Tom Herman has Texas ready to turn the corner. TCU might actually have uh, enough to to knock off uh, both of those teams this year. It's obviously still round robin in the 10-team Big 12. West Virginia has Will Greer, potentially the best quarterback in college football. And uh, then there's always Kansas, you know, who hasn't won a road game since Mark Mangino was their head coach. Um, Hockey, why don't you uh, kick the Big 12 discussion off?
0: That's that stat, Dave, because we, we retweeted that the other day. You texted me it, and I just yeah. sent it out right, right away. So I didn't, I didn't double check it, but I didn't feel like I needed to. they were zero forty two. Is that correct? Correct. Was that, was that the number since Mangino on the road? It's just,
1: yeah, they're not. They good. have not won a road game
2: this decade
1: i will say they they do kansas does go on the road to central michigan this year so there is the slim possibility they could win a a, boomer can
2: you look at last year's kansas schedule really quick
1: i sure can did they lose to central
2: michigan at home
0: while they did yeah yeah. While you're doing that, Boomer, while you're looking that up, uh, again, Kansas does host Rutgers this year, so that is a game we can get tickets to if you, if you want to drive down there, Boomer. But
1: I'll um, <laughs> we'll see what else is going on that weekend. Yeah, it, <laughs> we might we might be able to pencil that in. So yeah,
0: we'll check I'll StubHub.
1: Maybe we'll get lucky. You a... uh, know,
0: I'll start with I'll start with the well probably the school that's closest to us is K State, and I know you know Bill Snyder obviously is. He's starting to age. I think he. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think Mac, you were saying that that he wants to coach his grandson. Was that the was that the thing you were talking about earlier? Those are his thoughts. I think
3: he voted for Calvin Coolidge until his grandsons are playing.
0: But I'll tell you what: for all all the talk of the age and everything, K State's getting a lot of preseason pub. They're getting into top twenty five lists, and and that's a school that you know that's a program I keep an eye on. They've got some Husker or some Nebraska kids up up there playing. So. Who at
2: K-State is uh, from Nebraska?
0: Seward. They have a – I think the starting center guard is from uh, Seward. Mm-hmm. It would, you know. I'd sound smarter if I said the name, but I, I don't have it right in front of yeah. me. Yeah. Seward? Well,
2: anyway, so how about Texas? Let's talk about Texas for just a little bit here because, I mean, this is – I think relative to Nebraska and the rebuilding of our program – you know, I mean, Texas uh, is a situation where Tom Herman actually um, is kind of a mentor of Mac Brown. It's not nearly the same same thing that Frost and Osborne have, but there's definitely a relationship there. He's brought Mac Brown back into the fold, um, and you know, Texas always recruits well, but they've been underperforming for now. It feels like almost a decade and uh they can't figure out their quarterback situation which maybe frost can get a jump on that compared to tom herman do you feel texas can uh turn the corner this year and start really going in the right direction boomer
1: well it's all about that offense and luckily they have uh tim beck as offensive coordinator so that (laughs) should that should work well for them we all know how that goes uh I I don't know. Their defense was good last year. They kept them in a lot of games. There were, geez multiple games that they were within, you know, four points or less, you know, or at least a touchdown or less that they had chances to win. So, you know, they have talent. They have the defense to to make noise. Are they going to be able to progress enough on offense this year to make a serious push at anything? I'd be hard-pressed to see in the Big 12 the way it sets up. I mean, this is kind of one of my favorite conferences to watch just because, you know, if you have four and a half hours to kill for a game, it's a great way to do it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, Texas will be an interesting uh, interesting team to watch just to see what they do. And, they, you know, they challenge themselves in the schedule again this year. They, they have Maryland, then Tulsa, and USC to start the season, so you'll know pretty quick kind of where they're at as far as a team goes and, and what, they, what, they, what kind of push they can actually make in conference. So I'll be fascinated with that. There's a lot of great storylines in the Big 12. So. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and it's always about, you know, getting it in the trenches done, and, and Texas has 102 starts with their offensive line coming back. So that's a good place to start from. All but one running back returns, five of the top eight wide receivers return. So offensively, I think Herman's got something to work with there. I think
2: they just got to figure out the quarterback position. You know, yep. I mean, water, yeah, that helps. Yeah. They, they just can't figure that out since Colt McCoy. It's been just a disaster.
0: Is Iowa State legit, or is that a one-year thing?
1: That's one of the great storylines and questions of the, uh, the Big 12. Uh, you know, Matt Campbell seemed to have something going there. I mean, are they are they a serious thing? I don't know, and that's what I'm going to be I think Campbell's a good watch.
2: coach. There's definitely some of a, sort of a ceiling there at Iowa State, though. It's going to only go in cycles with that, you know, depending on – on the the roster he has it feels like. I don't know.
0: They're not they're not gonna sneak up on anyone this year. That's the damn no, thing. No,
1: that's definitely true. Yeah. And and they play Akron, so we'll be able to measure ourselves against Iowa State pretty nicely too and see where <laughs> kinda <of> see where <laughs> we're at. So that's so we've got that
2: going for us. Yeah. yeah. Mac, but, what are you looking for here?
3: I'm I'm kinda curious to see how Oklahoma does with Kyler Murphy taking over at quarterback. I mean that's a big loss there with the, with the Heisman trophy winner leaving. Um, You know how much how much Lincoln Riley might have relied on him. Let's see what he is doing. You know now with a year removed from Stoops, Uh, that that's kind of curious to me. Um, Tom Herman, I mean Texas. I I feel like is always just a couple players away. I mean, I just it it blows my mind that Texas struggles at all. I mean, it really does. When you you talk about a talent-rich state and being the premier program in that state, it's hard for me to believe that they they can't put it together. And if you know tom herman is the scott frost of a year ago what's the deal you know i mean like that's exactly right but but that speaks to a fit you know and, and frost is nothing but you know glove to hand fit here we'll see how how herman does but um i just don't i can't see them just floundering for that much longer it just doesn't seem possible
2: well, I mean, it speaks to you know hockey. We tweeted out a, a article I ran across on Nick Saban coming back to Alabama, and all of these these top level programs struggle at times, and then they find the right coach and it works out. And the question here with Texas, which is a top level program, is is Tom Herman the right coach or not? We're gonna find out. This is year two, and um, only time will will tell. But uh, it is about fit and and everything aligning from. Uh, top to bottom in the administration. Um, you know, one of those those schools that actually have come out of kind of nowhere over the last two decades in that sense is TCU, right? I mean, talk about... You now they, they finally have... No longer have their AD, Chris Del Conte, who kind of formulated all of that, and now he's at Texas, but Gary Patterson is still there. He's been there for almost two decades now, and TCU... Uh, Is just a a stalwart there in in the Big 12. What do you think about those guys?
0: Well, I think, you know, Patterson's been such a defensive minded coach in an offensive minded league. And, I mean, they've got four of their top six defensive linemen returning, three of the top four linebackers returning. And they have a transfer, Jawan Johnson, who Husker fans might remember. He's from Northern Illinois. And uh, he had nine tackles and an interception return for a touchdown, which really that was one of several that Mm. day, if I recall. Um, three defensive backs return, you know, that were starters. So you give Gary Patterson, you know, essentially about, you know, 10 returning starters on defense, and that's a pretty good, you know, starting point there.
2: That's interesting. You know, I'm looking at a TCU schedule, and this is, you know, I probably should have pointed this out at the ACC a little bit. Too, uh but TCU. I mean, just like interesting games to to look down the schedule. TCU has Ohio State on September fifteenth. I did not did not know yeah, that matchup yeah, existed in Arlington.
1: It's at a quasi neutral yeah. site, I guess. So yeah, amazing how that happens. But yeah. it's
0: right in the middle. Arlington's right in the middle of TCU. It's it's, it's a good Ohio drive State. for
1: both of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Granted, Urban yeah. Meyer might have a house there by then. So <laughs> who <was>, you knows? <laughs> oh. And, uh,
2: oh. Uh. Uh. Good stuff, good stuff. Is so, there any other uh, interesting uh, non-conference uh, matchups? Well, West Virginia notes?
1: is a team that's fascinating me in the Big 12. You know, they're getting some love. Again, like you said, their offense should be outstanding, which in the Big 12 is no real surprise for anybody. You know, the defense is going to be the question with them. And, I, you know, I was trying to analyze who I think is going to come out in this conference or who could really make noise. You know, you look at West Virginia's schedule, it's kind of fascinating. They're, they open with Tennessee then the uh, Fighting Pelinis of Youngstown State and then uh, North Carolina State. So they arguably have three pretty challenging games right off the bat. You know, all non-conference foes are, you know, decent quality. So we'll know a lot about West Virginia by mid-September. You know, I'll have a and good Tennessee idea. Tennessee
0: is at. in Charlotte.
1: Yes, yes. So that's, that's just fascinating there. And North Carolina State's on the road. So we'll have a good measure of where West Virginia is. And then they actually closed the season really hard too, which is why I'm struggling to you know place them much higher in a conference. You know they they finish at Texas, you know with TCU at Oklahoma, and then Friday, November 23rd, they'll be playing Oklahoma, which is very convenient because by the time that game's over, it might be time to start the Big 12 championship game on December 1st, so they could just play each other again. But uh, right. know, that 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 game could go on for about 12 hours. So yeah, yeah so they're so playing is, on Black Friday. Yes. Is
0: West Virginia Tennessee? Are they playing inside of a? Racetrack or some Omega Supreme. Launch well, you, you pass have to burn your own couch to
1: get Supreme, in. Yeah, it's nice. required. Yeah. So.
0: But you know, West Virginia—they do have Will Grier returning at quarterback. That's probably the—I think—the top quarterback in the, in the conference coming back. So I mean, that's a good yes. point to, to start from, Boomer. And yeah, I mean,
3: they have, have two
2: uh, thousand-yard wide receivers returning.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be crazy. The
1: offense—I think we're going to see in some of these games. Yeah. It's nuts. So
0: so a little different from what we did a year ago we're not picking tonight we're not picking our division winners and our conference winners we'll wait we'll hold that off until you know a few weeks from now when we have it on on you know the the final show before the, the season starts but uh but uh you know basically i think this is a, a kind of a, a decent breakdown here just to say hey these are the teams that, that are that are you know we think are, are the top teams there and i'll just say Right now, TCU, West Virginia, I think those are two teams that, aside from Oklahoma, Oklahoma, every year, they're going to be right up there on top of the Big 12. But TCU, West Virginia, those are two teams I, I would definitely be watching out for.
2: Remember, you were very high on TCU last year, Honk, um, and they almost came through for you.
0: About the only team that did. So I, I, kind <laughs> of, I kind of appreciate, I have a special place in my heart, in the cockles of my heart, for uh, for Gary Paris and TCU because they actually well for everything that Wyoming did me wrong last year I'll just I'll give TCU a lot. of love. <laughs> uh, All right guys well
2: let's let's wrap this up uh, and uh, let's head into some parting shots and I will hand it over to Honky he always has uh, a a <laughs> list of parting shots go ahead buddy
0: well I'll start with the first one real quick uh, got an email today from uh, UNL and. There are tickets available still for Troy and Illinois, and it looked like Minnesota and Michigan State. Uh, Husker fans, go out, buy those tickets up. Just get them bought. Uh, the second one I wanted to just talk about was uh, I read an article about Michi- or New Mexico, and New Mexico has some serious financial issues right now going on where they're having to cut sports. And a lot of this goes back to football is your cash cow or it's your cash hog. It's one of the two. And it's something I've always felt really good about Nebraska. We were one of the only – you know, Power Five programs. It doesn't have any debt. It doesn't have it. You know, we're 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 in the black. We we aren't taking student funds or taxes. And I just really appreciate the position that we're in financially. And uh, I guess a little side note of that is uh, we're Husker Online subscribers, and they have a great uh, series going on with Big Red uh, Business, and it talks about all the 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 monies and everything that Nebraska you know brings in, what we're looking to do, and and it just again. It's one of those things where even in the downtimes, even in the losses and the bad seasons we've had, we're in such good financial situations. And so I I urge you, if you haven't read about it, look into New Mexico right now. Look into a a place like that where they're looking at cutting programs and, and football, my God, they're talking about not even, you know, having them, you know, stay in motels the night before games and stuff. I mean, for home games, they're just, they're cutting things left and right. And it's one of those, those situations where, where, I'm just I just feel blessed that Nebraska's in the spot that we're in.
3: Amen to that. All right, Mac, what do you have? Um, just wanna uh, direct some uh redcasters to I know I know you love as much football content as you got and, and everybody's super high right now on Maurice Washington. There is a uh, documentary coming out, there's a few episodes of it called The Truth About Trinity. Um Deion Sanders produces it. It's about a school down in Texas where Maurice Washington was a uh, participant on the football team. So um, you can find it on Max Preps if you want to go look for it or just Google it. I mean, just do, give it a Google. Maybe we'll do a little, we might tweet out a, a link to it as well. But it's worth a watch um, for the future Husker you're going to be playing this year. Uh, just a little fun preseason uh, video viewing. So give it a look. Oh, yeah. Wait, By the way, thank you for the Hulu Live confirmation. I've gone that way. I dig it. Thank you, Eric. appreciate it.
2: Max just proving that, uh, the red casters are huge consumers of football there. And we're, we're diving into documentaries on high school football in Texas. Nice. Uh, all right, Boomer.
1: Well, I just figured I'd do a, a similar route that Mac took last week. And, uh, Ask the Redcasters, you know, just in case we do have to uh, recreate our own Mister Chip. Do you know any good taxidermy guys out there? And uh, <laughs> if any of you have access to a buffalo head, uh, that would that would be very helpful. So if you do, just uh, give a shout out to our social media director and just uh, let us know. So,
2: yeah, if we could somehow achieve this, it would be a major
3: accomplishment for the Redcast.
1: It would. But are not licensed
3: to go out and shoot buffalo, though. Well, let's be clear on that. Michael, yeah, just right? make sure you
1: got a permit. Yeah, if yeah, yeah, you do, yeah. I mean, yeah, just make sure it's all
2: legal. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or sure. if you hit one with a car, yeah, that's fine. You know, then help yourself to the
2: hit. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, all right, guys. All right. Well, uh, great show. Looking forward to another one next week. Also looking forward to a lot more of uh, fall camp and all the good news coming from it. Uh, let's call that a go big redcast. <laughs> Hashtag
0: GoPro. Scofro. GoPro. Scofro.